Hi everyone, welcome to SAMO, a program which invites an expert each week to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have Dr. Suzanne Bennett as our guest expert to tell us about the magical benefits of the kimchi diet. There's growing there's evidence. A... <laughs> there is an awful lot, there is. And there's growing evidence that kimchi can improve intestinal health and even relieve constipation and diarrhea. What's even more amazing is that kimchi can even boost immunity and help us maintain a healthy weight. And Suzanne's living proof it can also make you beautiful. As an important source of probiotics, kimchi is friendly to many aspects of our health. In this episode of SAMA, Suzanne will introduce us to the amazing world of the kimchi diet. Suzanne is an internationally recognized national and integrative medicine expert specializing in allergies, gut disorders, and anti-aging medicine. She earned a Bachelor of Science degree from UCLA majoring in kinesiology, followed by a doctorate degree in chiropractic medicine. She is the founder of the Wellness for Life Center in Santa Monica, California, and has successfully treated thousands of patients suffering from allergies and chronic illnesses for over 30 years. Welcome to our Sama Suzanne. It's wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much, John. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm really excited to talk to you and, and just in the world of health and wellness. Now, um, in the introduction, I said you've been doing it for 30 years, but that's got to be a lie because looking at you, you can't be 30 years old. <laughs> no way. You're too kind. You're too kind. I actually am 57, John. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? Oh, no. wow. It's, it's been really amazing. You know, I've been practicing over 30 years. That is absolutely true. And uh, I want to continue to be able to in a service as many more people as I can. That's remarkable. Now, uh, how did you get involved with kimchi? What, what grabbed your interest? Why did you think kimchi was the answer to some problems in our health? I'll tell you, I didn't think about kimchi at all, except that, you know, I'm from Korea and at 50 years old, uh, my whole family, we had a family reunion in, in Seoul, Korea. And when I went there, I was really blown away by how many people eat so poorly in Korea. I mean, I, you know, when I oh. left, when I was 12, that was 1975. And at 12 years old, you know, we only ate like real food. Yes. There was no such thing as uh, any kind of junk food, French fries. I mean, we just didn't have any of that. And we ate kimchi as a, just a natural staple of traditional food with all of the regular Korean food that we had, which is a lot of vegetables. Very rarely do we have a lot of meat because, you know, meat, it costs a lot of money. So we ate a lot of the regular roots and vegetables and pretty much a plant-based diet. And kimchi was the center piece of it. And uh, kimchi is known to be a fermented food, meaning, you know, thousands of years, Koreans developed a way of fermenting. And this is a wild ferment, uh, John. Wild means you don't put any type of uh, different bacteria or starters. And you create this amazing vegetable that's preserved because at winter time, it would be like below 10, 10 degree below zero. And you can't, there's absolutely no vegetation. So we would make kimchi every year. It's called kimjang in November, right before the snow started. And then we dig a big hole and Put it in in, in earthenware no earthenware jars, and then we, and that kimchi would last us 
for five, six months, sometimes even. So that was our way of nourishing ourselves. But what happened with, what happened when I was 50, we went on this first big family reunion. I've never been back to Korea. And all I saw was that everyone's eating sugar, noodles, white rice, candy, pastries galore. Every corner was filled with these types of westernized, you know, westernized um, uh, restaurants and shops, you know, the, the fast food places. And, but I was really even more amazed was that Korean people did not have the things that we deal with here, the conditions and the chronic illnesses we deal with here in America and a lot of the um, uh, Western cultures, you know, when we end up having the wrong types of food, this standard American diet type. So what I, would, what I found was that they, they were really relatively um, thin. I mean, they were in great shape. They didn't have any bloated bellies. They weren't overweight in any way, even the older folks. And they weren't overweight in any way. They had a lot of vitality. Their skin was really vibrant. And they had a lot of muscle. I mean, I was blown away by their whole, you know, um, the way they looked. And they looked at life. And so I started, like, observing them. And all I did was take a lot of pictures and videos of Korean people eating. (laughs) And I found out that after the whole trip, I found out that there was one thing that was different. And that was different from the American diet and the way we ate here in America. And that was that they ate kimchi with every meal, even with the tacos and burgers and the sandwiches. They always had kimchi on the side dish as a side dish. So kimchi is a staple and it's, it's a fermented food and it's been around for, like I said, thousands of years. And um, I decided to dig into it. Once I got back, I became a kimchiologist. I basically became like, really, really um, interested in the science of kimchi, kimchiology. And so I found out that there were a lot of information that, gosh, people didn't know on why fermented foods is really, really important and how kimchi can completely change your microbiome from a very low diversity microbiome to a very high micro, a diversity microbiome because the, the science shows now that chronic illnesses can be pretty much every one of them can be linked to your, uh, your dysbiosis or a microbiome, a poor microbiome, or one that where your, your bacterias and the yeast and the viruses within the gut, that you're just unhealthy. So that's what yeah. I'm here to talk about. And that's what I did. And I wrote about it in the book, The Kimchi Diet. It's remarkable how they use an earthenware container, which is semi-porous, I guess, and they bury it in snow. And so they're getting the any microbes from the outside, they will go through into the vegetable solution on the inside and ferment. (laughs) It doesn't get any easier than that. That's so interesting that you mentioned. You're absolutely right that it is porous. But the, the way that was described by the scientists is that the porous is really to bring in a little bit of the oxygen, the gas exchange. So then when you're fermenting, there is carbon dioxide gas produced during the fermentation process. And what is a fermentation? It's just basically using a vegetable source that has some form of sugar, fermentable carbohydrates, I call it sugar. And what's wonderful is that all vegetables, no matter what, in kimchi, what do we have? Garlic, ginger, green onions, 
Uh, we also have the actual vegetable itself. I put a little bit of fruit in there because I want a little bit of sweetness so that the bacteria will be happy and grow properly. Okay. And that combination, each, each fruit and vegetable and, and um, herb has its own microbiome. That's the beauty of, of this, you know, and not just that. When you make it your own microbiome from your hand and you're chopping up the veggies, you're mixing it all up, and then you store it into the glass. Um, do you want to see what it looks like? Sure. I'd love to. Now, I know that if people are just listening on the, um, on the podcast, you might not see this. But I, I actually decided to bring you a little bit of uh, kimchi, what it looks like. <laughs> it's already fermented. Yes. Um, if you're on video, you can see it. And the one that I'm holding up right now is called radish kimchi. This is uh, Korean radish. And basically, it's, it's like daikon or turnip. You can use regular turnip. You can use rutabaga. You can even use the little red radishes. Uh, I also love the watermelon radish. Oh, watermelon radish gives an amazing little bite uh, when you ferment it. And you can see that it's, and you might be able to, it's cut up in little squares. And there's red pepper in this one. And within the juice um, and, and the kimchi, there's, Thousands, I shouldn't say thousands, I want to say billions, billions, because one tablespoon can be up to 50 billion of CFUs, colony forming units of lactic acid bacteria. That's again, 50 billion in one tablespoon. Now, we know that when we get a capsule, you might only get about six strains of lactic acid bacteria or bifidus or the combination. And sometimes you even get streptococcal a streptococcal um, thermophilus, which is your luckiest to get those. Or sometimes it's 12 strains. In here, you can have anywhere from 900 to 2,500 strains of bacteria. And that's the reason why it creates a very robust microbiome. And it takes time though, it takes time. I don't recommend you to eat this right away, uh, a ton of it. That's why I say a tablespoon to take two tablespoons in my book. Here is white cabbage you can see that it's white and and what i mean by white is that there's no red pepper because oh. red pepper some people can be an irritant okay some people are sensitive to red pepper some people are sensitive to uh nightshades let's say right mm. and red pepper is a nightshade so um if you have sensitivities you can change the your entire recipe and i i put that in in the book kimchi diet you're making me a little bit hungry now. I shouldn't be because I've had I've just had breakfast. Um, yes. I'm, I find myself uh, salivating a little bit. <laughs> That's good. Do you have you ever had kimchi? I I must have done because I I I I like to try new things. I think I have in the past, but I haven't. I don't take it regularly. I, ah, I do know, I you do might be able that. to find it at your regular store. You may be able to find it. Maybe. The, in, in China, there's not so much of a selection, but um, it must be somewhere. There must be somewhere. But um, I'm sure that they would because I do know that um, Chinese people have a. They really love kimchi. If you remember, uh, in gosh, when was it? When we had SARS. Do you remember the SARS? I think it was 2003, four around that time. Yes. Um, it's when you have the severe, you know, um, avian flu. That I don't know if you remember. But anyway, when there was a big, big flu during in, in China and most of Asia. And a lot of people actually died from it. Uh, Koreans, 
did not have any of it. So, and that they believe that it's because the immunity has been so robust and so strong that um, it ended up not hitting Korea at all, although it hit all of the other Asian countries. I wonder if the same will be today because kimchi, uh, kimchi is not eaten so much in Korea. They're eating more of a westernized diet now. They are, but they do eat a lot of kimchi still. They say that is about 65% of the population still eats kimchi and make their own kimchi. Like I make my own kimchi. That's, you know, what I make it. That's what I teach as well. I have an online program where people can learn on how to, to make it themselves. And I have a system because when I came back, all my patients, I put them on kimchi. But that was a, a mistake. It was really a trial and error for me uh, because once I started implementing kimchi into everyone's lives, I realized that I was asking people to eat Napa cabbage. The one that I just showed you here, the white one, the white is a Napa cabbage. And Napa cabbage is a FODMAP food. I don't know if you know what FODMAP means. And FODMAP is, um, they're basically fermentable carbohydrates. It's a lot of gas can be produced with certain types of vegetables. For instance, cabbage, broccoli, beans, uh, asparagus, apples, pears, these are all FODMAP foods. And if you eat a lot of FODMAP foods, if you've got dysbiosis, which is majority of the population, and what I mean by dysbiosis, it means that there's the, good, the bacteria, you don't have enough good bacteria and pathogenic can grow and you have a, a um, imbalance between bacterias, even possibly even parasites, and yeasts uh, growing in your gut. So if there is a dysbiosis and you don't have enough lactic acid bacteria, now lactic acid bacteria is a very important particular type of bacteria that are grown in fermentation. Fermentation uh, uses salt. Salt is another very important ingredient to ferment your vegetables first, uh, excuse me, not ferment, brine. Let me, let me be clear. When you are going to ferment vegetables, you have to brine it. And why do you brine it? And brining basically is using salt to kill off all the bad bugs. If there might be salmonella, shigella, klebsiella, E. coli in the soil, right? Mm -hmm. With the vegetables. So what we do is you soak it um, and you, you sprinkle it with the vegetables with salt. And there's special kind of salt. I use solar sea salt. You can use kosher salt, but sea salt is the best. Celtic sea salt is important too. Okay. And you soak it and you soak it so that all the bad bugs go. But then the lactic acid bacteria, the ones that stick around and start to multiply, they love salty medium. Okay. So the lactic acid bacteria that everyone understands probiotics will grow, will start to rapidly grow. And that's where the, already the fermentation occurs. Wow. <laughs> You know, making something yourself, as well as being fun, you say it takes a long time in a negative sense, but it's a positive thing as well, because if it's in a cupboard, you can peek in and have a look, or if you've got to keep it in a cold spot in the fridge. It's, it's, it's nice to see progress each day. And, and, you know, if anyone does any home brew even, that's a form of, um, well, it is fermentation. And then you can you sort of monitor and measure things each day, and it, it becomes like a hobby. But it's a healthy, positive health hobby, isn't it? <laughs> there's no doubt it doesn't take long john um you know sauerkraut can be three to four weeks of fermentation okay. for final fermentation for you to eat within 
24 to 48 hours you can eat this. Oh, that's not long at so, all. Gosh. Oh, it's not long at all. And because of that, I mean, boy, you can you you can make kimchi constantly. I make kimchi probably every one uh, one to ten what week, which is seven days to ten days. I'm constantly making extra kimchi, and I've got a kimchi refrigerator now. We don't put it outside anymore. We have kimchi <laughs> refrigerators uh, because um, it it needs a specific type of of temperature. You want it cold, of course. The colder your your refrigerator, the longer it takes. Yes. Yes. But I guess it will change the flavor as well. Um, yes. It's cool. Yes. So from freshness, you start when it starts to turn. I like kimchi that's about two weeks old. Okay. And there's a tanginess. Yes. Um, there is, of course, if you have spice spiciness. But I can tell that there's a lot more lactic acid bacteria. So I wait a little bit longer. I you, I can eat it at two weeks, two days old, but I definitely wait. And I continue to eat it and I make enough so that by two weeks, it's like, oh, it's so good, you know? And then if it's like three, three uh, months old, I usually make a kimchi stew um, with it, and uh, which is one of my favorite dishes. But once you cook it though, John, there's no more bacteria and there's no more good bacteria. So it's important to eat it. And uh, right now I have about four, a four month old container of um, Napa cabbage kimchi. And it's still tasty. So everyone's okay. different. And because I make it regularly, I have constantly different phases yes. of the how much you've got. But the bacteria, you know, even if you even if you just have the, the juice, it's very here. I could show you this is another, you can see how murky it is. And this is radish kimchi juice, yeah. right? Kimchi a water radish. Um, or water kimchi, I should say. And this one is, I drink this like half of a cup to a full cup a day and it just totally nourishes the belly. And I teach this to every, all my patients so that if they've got diarrhea, if they've got constipation, it's the fastest way, way to um, cure even, even food poisoning. You know, I, today, I ended up treating a, a young child, 10, 10 year old child who um, had food poisoning from his school. He had a hot dog. And, uh, and sure enough, I told him, you got to get some kimchi in you. And, and so that's going to calm everything down. And what you end up having is that when you drink a lot or you take in kimchi, the idea is to change and shift little by little your microbiome. If you've had dysbiosis, and like I said, if you've had even food poisoning, you're giving the good stuff so they can have a little war going on. You're going to have a little war for a little while, you know. I should say within a couple of days, it'll just calm down. And it takes about um, six to eight weeks to replenish all the good bacteria that you want from eating fermented foods by having one to two tablespoons a day. And as you get into, you know, I eat at least half a cup, if not more. You, you heard me say that I drink the juice, a half a cup to a full cup, but kimchi itself, I might eat half a cup um, or even a full cup which gives me anywhere from, I don't know, 300, 400 billion CFUs a day. I eat a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, um, I'm doing kefir at the moment, water kefir. Um, oh, wow. What's in there? Tell me. Have you, do you know what water kefir is? It's, it's just kefir. I do, but then... Oh, it's brown because I do secondary fermentation. And this one uh, has got blackberries, actually. 
by popular. Oh, that's that sounds amazing. Oh, so, how long did it take you to make that? Well, I keep it in the fridge because I find that um, if it's in the fridge, things are more gentle and uh, and it tastes a little bit smoother. Uh, it takes a. I, I have it in for about a week now, and I might even leave the next lot in for longer. I've got five large vessels at different stages of fermentation, and right. it, um, it's it's good because I like beer. And, and this is actually better than beer, <laughs> as well as being healthy. So when you, when you talk about um, making your own kimchi, it's got, a, it's got an appeal for me because it's a lot of fun in doing something like this, as well as knowing that it's going to be healthy to you, and, you, and you're seeing the health benefits every day. Um, oh, when you made the kefir, uh, kefir, did you add a starter to it, or was it a wild ferment? I purchased some grains from a, yes. uh, a local person, and I, yes. it, was, it was in a little container, <clears throat> and so I started it in a little vessel, but now I've got six times two-litre beakers covered in the fridge, and they're, right. they're puffing away and growing, and, uh, and the grains are... Do course. you know what the starters, the, do you know what the bacteria names are? Curious. No, I don't. No, I don't. But, um, What's interesting about kimchi is that there's three main bacteria strains. Yes. Lactobacillus, which everyone knows about, but Leuconostoc and Wysela. These are the main ones. And over the time, you know, from first week to second week, they just change a little bit in the numbers. One goes higher than the other. But what's interesting is that even if you're taking in all of these main, three main, your own microbiome, we might have, you know, to this day, we still don't know everything about our microbiome, mm. right? Mm. They're doing so much research now. It's just been brilliant. I'm so happy that we're learning more and more about it. But what was, what's been interesting in the science, um, in, in the scientists, what they say is that when you take in kimchi with these three main, it'll still create your own bacteria, your own native bacteria, mm. The, to, to optimize so that it becomes more robust okay. instead of let's say um, you know 50 species you might become a hundred species that I don't know yet because I haven't found any studies about that yet we knew, know that it, it becomes more robust but I don't know about the names exactly yet and I can't wait because you know, I know it's gonna come out soon <laughs> there's so much science right now, um, modern Western diseases, weight gain, diabetes, heart disease. How can kimchi prevent these? How can kimchi make, allow people to lose weight? How is it so powerful? I think, you know, it's interesting. All the studies, what they do is they look at, okay, um, a group of people or they use, use mice as animal as well studies and they give it kimchi and then they look at the biomarkers so what are the biomarkers their blood sugar level uh the fasting insulin level they look at ldl cholesterol the, the bad cholesterol the yeah. good cholesterol which is called hdl i don't think cholesterol is bad at all i just know that it's linked to heart disease right uh the triglycerides which are the swimming the fats in the the bloodstream they've tested all of these markers out and they find that once you start eating kimchi and within of six to eight weeks, you end up getting changes right away. 
changes in your blood markers. So what does it do? It lowers the blood sugar. It lowers the, the LDL. It lowers the triglycerides. Um, when it comes to insulin sensitivity, which is the, the, you know, for diabetes, diabetes type two, it enhances it so that you don't, you don't have that, um, the insulin sensitivity, the spike, and that your right. body knows how to use insulin better. Mm. They notice that the immunity, the immune markers, immune markers to reduce inflammation gets better. So, or the um, infl inflammatory markers go down. All right. They also find natural killer cells go up. I mean, there's many, many changes when they, when people um, end up, and, and I'm talking about animal and human studies. Right. When it comes to weight loss, they found that there's a shift in the microbiome, the types of bugs. There's a firmicutes and the bacteroides, and there's a balance between the two. There's a ratio that ends up um, uh, shifting and makes someone who has a microbiome like an obese person into a skinny person, a thin person. So what they do is it changes the microbiome. So when the microbiome changes, the change of the way our body process food and digest, and the way we absorb calories changes, and then we end up losing weight. Literally, fat starts to fall off of us because our metabolism goes higher. Another recent study shows that we make more glutathione. Glutathione is an anti-aging, um, antioxidant uh, uh, substance that we all make in our body. But one of the key factors is as we age, we don't make as much. And they are finding that they're hoping, the scientists are connecting, if we have more glutathione in the brain, which is what they were looking at within the mitochondria, then you'll have less Alzheimer's disease. So it's also connected to um, acne. So acne, um, uh, eczema, eczema is like an, an, an allergy reaction in the skin or atypic dermatitis. And they're finding that acne, atypic dermatitis will also be mitigated. It stops. And then of course, all the, the irritation starts to heal. And when I look at everything that I were talking about, all the science I'm talking about right now, it's because the microbiome is changing. It's because not just the microbiome, which is the bacteria changing because you're eating lactic acid bacteria, but lactic acid bacteria, John, it also cre uh, produces um, different types of, of acetic acid, different uh, end products, metabolic end products, let's say. So metabolites, they're called. So um, mannitol, different types of alcohols, different types of nutrients, and it also predigests pre your proteins. It's known to break down BPA, bisphenol A. It's known wow. to break down pesticides. Mm -hmm. So bacteria has a great deal of really magical properties, which yeah. is going to be able to help your body and ultimately reduce inflammation, reduce all of these amazing uh, biomarkers. And that means then possibly you will not have to deal with any chronic illnesses that we all deal with. And this includes cancer. I didn't mention cancer earlier, but they are looking at the um, anti-carcinogenic um, you know, properties of kimchi as well. This is all studied. You can look up kimchi and cancer, you'll find it. Kimchi and this, kimchi, and, you know, 
uh, kimchi and diabetes, and you'll find all of these studies in it. It's amazing. How does kimchi differ from other probiotic foods? Such a great question. Um, I do know that cabbage, yes. you know, so when, for instance, cabbage has a specific um, strains of bacteria, and so does ginger, like I said earlier. It has its own microbiome. So any food that has similar will have similar bacteria. For instance, we all know sauerkraut in Europe, right? The Germans and all throughout Europe, they know about sauerkraut quite a bit. And sauerkraut is a cabbage. It's a different kind of cabbage, but it's a cabbage. They don't use a lot of garlic or ginger, uh, but they use, let's say, dill, and they do salt it. Um, they might put carrots in it. It's a different kind of, um, d different types of taste because sauerkraut is definitely different from kimchi. There's a huge different difference in the two. Sauerkraut is also fermented for a much longer period, so it's much more acidic. So what I mean by acidity is that the pH goes down much further, yes. and it's a very, very sharp tasting sauerkraut is more acidic, as you can taste it in the mouth. Yes. Whereas kimchi is a little bit higher. Kimchi is about in the fours. It could be in the threes, but usually in the fours, four and a half uh, pH when it comes to that. So it's not as acidic. But um, when it comes to, let's say, uh, kefir, kefir may have more lactobacillus in it, and excuse me, lacto, uh, bifidus bacterium in it. So it all depends on the starter that you use. That's why I asked. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what starter you use because in kimchi, it's a wild ferment. You don't have to have any starters. And I make many. There's over 250 different kinds of kimchis that Koreans have made. And we use all different types of vegetables. Like in my book, I put cucumber kimchi. I like everyone to eat cucumber first because it's a, non, it's a low FODMAP food and it won't cause a lot of bloating and gas. The cabbage one causes the most, you know? So I always put that, that's my last phase. There's four phases. First is cucumber. The second is the bok choy or mustard greens. The third is radish, which you already saw. And then the fourth is a napa. And the fourth phase starts like a six, seven, eight, you know, that in the, to the six, seven, eighth week. So I'm priming. I'm really slowly helping you restore your microbiome. And we're seeding good bacteria little by little all throughout the next two months. And by doing that, that's how you're going to rejuvenate and restore your microbiome and start feeling. Every, people tell me within a week, wow, I feel better. My gut is, I'm less gassy. Once they start eating it, they feel more calm and more relaxed because there is what's um, in kimchi, what's called psychobiotics. That's another you know, added benefit. Your mood and, and how you feel, anxiety, um, uh, feelings of anger, depression, frustration, irritability, all of these feelings that we tend to have can calm down by eating kimchi. So often I tell people, you know what, if you're going to eat a meal with kimchi, do it at, at dinner time because that's when you're going to be getting all the good um, lactic acid bacteria and billions of it so that you can start to feel calmer. Nice. Bacteria, good bacteria makes serotonin. That's the reason why 90 to 95% of your serotonin is found in the gut. And although they have not found the connection like serotonin going to the brain right away, you know what I mean? What they're finding is there's 
what's called the vagal nerve. That's the uh, parasympathetic state, that, and that, which is a calming, right? There's a vagal nerve that can communicate in that sense. There's a sensing between the brain and the gut. Yeah. You know, and I really think that's where the whole thing about the gut feeling came from, <laughs> is that, that whole feeling like, you know, that we're connected to the gut. That's why it's so many people who've got gut issues, it's, it's, it can be from mental and psychological emotional issues. That IBS, there's always a component of that emotional, psychological, and mental component. Um, so if you're, you're, you're scared about something, often people have to run to the toilet and have, they have diar diarrhea, yeah. you know? If there some people are a fear of speaking right before they go on stage, they vomit, you know? <laughs> so the gut is very connected to our mind and our spirit and how we feel. Right, right. Now we're living in a very convenient world where things are packaged up. Is there any difference between um, jarred, bottled kimchi from the supermarket and the kimchi that we know and love homemade? Well, the best thing about homemade is that you, when you put a lot of time and effort in fermenting, there's a lot of love there. And that feels really good for you to eat. Just like you're eating, drinking your kefir, right? You love the whole action and the, the um, making it just makes you feel like, oh, I'm being so good to myself and I'm loving myself and I'm giving it a bacteria. I always say kimchi is, is love in a bottle. Because that's what it is for, for me yeah. and when I make it for my family and my friends. That if you did not want to make it for whatever reason, I would say that getting it from the health food store would be my second best. Okay. The third would be any regular store that actually has kimchi in it. Kimchi. And you can find kimchi in regular grocery stores. Uh, the thing about the regular grocery stores is they, they usually add, not usually, they can. They can add MSG. And they add uh, sucralose or any type of artificial sweetener. Right. It may not even stay on the bottle. Because I, I found that there is artificial sweetener in some of these commercial-based um, kimchi. Mm. Another thing that you might also wanted to look at is if you're vegan, I have a lot of patients that are vegan. Mm. So in, in my book, I say you don't need to add uh, in, in kimchi in the regular stores, they may add a lot of shrimp paste or fish oh, sauce. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Gosh. In my, in my book, I teach you how to make it with kombu. Kombu is a, um, a sea vegetable, yes. which is a way to make it all vegan. Uh, most of the time, I, I eat vegan style mm -hmm. uh, because I like it. I like it, and I like the taste of it. And although I've made it with shrimp paste and all that, but majority of the time I make it with, with just all vegetables. And did you know, with kimchi, you do not need any fire element. And what do I mean by that? You don't need gas stove. You don't need um, any type of electrical. Uh, you don't need anything to heat up anything. I've made kimchi many, many times outside in the sun where you're just really getting all the benefits of the um, sunlight and charging up your, your food and and I, I, I'm a big believer in trying to do it the most ancient way because I find that that brings, again, meet my connection to my, my um, history of my home land. And uh, that's, it just makes me feel a lot better. So the fact that you don't need 
to have any fire element is, is exciting. I, I tell everyone, if you're in the desert or if you're in the Amazon, I'll, I'll teach you how to make kimchi without anything <laughs> but the vegetables and salt. <laughs> you can make it anywhere. How, how far back does kimchi go? Oh, um, at least, I, I believe it's at least four or 5,000 years old. In literature, I mean, in the books, in the, I'd say about 2,000 to 2,500 years. It's in the books. It's even been um, about in China, China talking about that Koreans make the most amazing kimchi, you know, that's been around for thousands of years too, um, in the books, in the old books. So it's there, it is there. And, uh, but, you know, I, I do believe that they've been doing it for, Gosh, and the kimchi that we eat now is not the same type of kimchi that they used to make uh, way back when. In which way does it differ? Uh, when, when, so red pepper, yes. red pepper, which is one that most people know about when there's a lot of red pepper in kimchi, <laughs> that has been around, I believe, 300 years. Kimchi, um, the red pepper was introduced into Korea 300 years ago. So there wasn't any red, red pepper type of kimchi. It was more of that white type, the white, and with other kinds of vegetables, they would use chestnuts, jujubes, dried jujubes, um, different types of roots, um, and, and of course the vegetable itself. Would it have been a social event, the making of kimchi, sitting down and eating kimchi? Oh, you know, to, we, when it comes to Korean um, eating, <clears throat> if you've ever seen any videos online about the street food of Korea, and, and Koreans eat a lot of food, a lot, and there's a lot of different side dishes. It's called panchan. And with every meal, you can just have, I mean, boy, many times growing up, I've just had soup and rice and kimchi, <laughs> you know, but... Definitely, it is a family event. And every October, November, we have that um, once a year, we all the uh, family members and the community actually gets together. And wow. we can make, I mean, like, I can't even tell you, a bus filled, bus filled of kimchi, of people coming to make it together. So it's a huge event. Wow. It's a community event. And it's, I think it's just a beautiful way of bringing people together custom, and it's still done. If you look up Kim Jong, K-I-M-J-A-N-G online, you'll see big events happening in Korea every year. Gosh. Now, at the start of the video, um, I was showing part of um, a video that was made by my friend Ali Rosner. I was wondering if I could share this now. Perhaps yes. you can even pass commenters where as we're um, watching. Okay, so there we have our, oh, I'll try and remove my, I'll do it the other way. Okay, so we have, yes. yeah. Now, those will be micro, microbes, I guess, that are, that are moving. It's a very powerful microscope. Yes. Look at that, now, it's definitely alive, that broth. They're <laughs> all moving. They're all moving, they're all alive. Yes. There are different kinds of bacteria all there and they are alive. You can feel that there's like a, a sense of energy that they are emitting, right? They're Absolutely. Moving. That's beautiful. 
Do you, did you find out what kind of kimchi it is? No, um, Ali did show me a photo of the kimchi, uh, which he took the microscopic views from, and it looked like it was from just regular vegetables, cabbages, and, and other things in the large, in a pot, just in a yes. pot covered with this liquid. Isn't that amazing? So you know that's alive. This is, this is a live ferment, and yes. uh, uh, it's so important that you understand that you, you, what fermentation does is it, it creates billions and billions. I mean, could be probably trillions in one big bottle of bacteria. And uh, you definitely want to be able to use that to nourish yourself from the inside out. Kimchi helps with all different types of, you know, um, I have patients who have chronic sinus infections and I use white kimchi or the water kimchi liquid and I have them use a Q-tip, just dip it in it. And, um, and then put it in the nose, right in the nostril. It doesn't have to go far. And what it'll do is it'll propagate that good bacteria, go back into the sinuses and kill off any fungal infections or chronic bacterial infection. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Yes. Does the fermentation free up the nutrients that are within the vegetables themselves? That's absolutely. So what's the beauty of fermentation is it pre-digests the food. So a lot of the nutrients such as vitamins, minerals, amino acids are all right there and you absorb it pretty quickly. And remember this, you're eating bacteria and bacteria itself is, is um, also food when you think about it, right? Sure, sure. You're going to get all sorts. And um, often after people start eating kimchi, they say they don't need to take enzymes as much anymore digestive enzymes because it reestablishes your body's ability to make your own enzymes. The one thing that I do believe when it comes to um, eating kimchi is that you're not going to need probiotics. Probiotics are those supplements that cost a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's many different kinds of probiotics, of course, but I'll tell you, kimchi outshines the probiotics that are in supplements. It just outshines it. I don't take probiotics at all. I just eat kimchi. Well, with probiotics, you're you're given the the biotics, which a company has decided you need, and it's not the whole smorgasbord. It's certainly, um, well, it might be a, a few varieties, but it'll be nowhere near the amount that a wild-based ferment of kimchi would have. No That's absolutely true. There's absolutely no nothing near. And you know that the studies are now showing that probiotics does not do um, anything to the native flora, meaning it won't shift it. So as soon as you stop taking probiotics, then you end up getting rid of whatever. But it's like a drop in the ocean when it comes to, you know, even kimchi, you do need to take it daily. I recommend you to take a little okay. bit of it daily. Okay. Yeah, because you're you're defecating out, you know, every day, you know, even up to a pound to two pounds, you can have, you can eliminate, right, through your bowel movements, which means a lot of the, the good bacteria is going as well. It's interesting, you talk, like you, you take a dosage of kimchi, like it's a, like it's a medicine. Oh, it is to but, me. It, but, it's, <laughs> it really is a supplement. I don't want to call it a supplement. It's a medicinal food. It really is a medicinal food. It's a superfood, and I, I can't, I can't tell you how excited I am that 
I wrote this book because not many people know about it. I mean, like you said, you know, you haven't, haven't even tried it. Um, I, I mean, majority of the people uh, have not tried it. And, and having this book out and having my students now all around the world, I've got students, even in Uganda and Africa, in Croatia and different parts of Europe, uh, small towns in Europe, um, people are now making kimchi and it's so much fun. I absolutely love it. And, and the, if, you know, I've got a kimchi um, Facebook group if you're interested. It's called Kimchi, kimchi Diet Group. So if you just go into um, uh, Facebook, you can just look for Kimchi Diet. There's two kimchi groups. It's called Kimchi Diet and Kimchi Detox. They're both mine, but the detox are the students from my video class. Um, so that's not um, something that anyone can jump in. But the Kimchi Diet a group, anyone can jump in, jump in. And you'll be able to see, um, there's a video how I teach you how to make it, make this water kimchi. Uh, the radish kimchi, the water kimchi there. I teach you how to make it. It's very, very easy. And it's probably one of the best foods that you can try. Um, I love eating it. And, and sometimes, you know how you don't have vegetables? Oh my God, I didn't go to the vet, you know, but I always have kimchi there. And I'll, I'll always get um, my share of vegetables per day. Through kimchi. Isn't yeah. It really cool how it's not, it's not expensive to make. And it's fun to make. I'm trying to think, Suzanne, of a negative, but I'm, I'm really struggling here. It, it's got all the positive boxes. It's got nothing, you know. Yes. It's, it's, it's I will give you a couple of, I, I will tell you, you do need to be careful when you first started in kimchi. You got to start little at a time. Yeah. And that's, again, is because you're putting good bacteria in. Um, what else could you be sensitive to? Uh, you know, what, what's... What's amazing is that it, it, is no, it is a known antimicrobial agent. So remember I said that when you're, when you're brining, it kills off all the bad bugs. Well, when you eat kimchi, it kills off all the bad bugs. So if you had H. pylori, it's, it's known to, to um, kill H. pylori bacteria. It's known to get rid of yeasts, like candida, if you're familiar with candida. So when you're eating the, the kimchi and then you start to um, kill off the bugs, you might feel a little uncomfortable. So some people might get a little more looser bowels. Some, some people, they might only go to the bathroom twice a week, and then all of a sudden they're going every day, which is amazing. And that's what we want. We've got to have good bowel movements because yeah. we got to get rid of the waste, right? Yeah. So I would say that there is a, a small, um, there's been some studies regarding nitrosamines and kimchi, and I think that that's from, um, that's from, the action of the seafood that's in it, uh, the fish, the fish as well as the, um, the shrimp paste. And so they're finding that that might be part of it. They don't know yet. And that's still new, uh, finding out that there might be a little bit more of the carcinogenic effect. But I have not, I'm not convinced that at all. I really, really am someone that is a big believer of that is more anti-cancer and cancer causing it's about the nitrosamines but i think it has to do with the fish sauce um but again you can go completely vegan and it's not going to be a problem when you returned to korea and you're surprised to see that people were eating so much kimchi and they turned more towards the western diet did you see a difference in the health of the population 
Well, I asked, actually asked a lot of people um, wherever we were restaurants. <laughs> I just introduced myself that I'm a natural medicine doctor and I'm very interested. I'm from America. And all of them, I mean, I just can't say all of them. There definitely is um, higher, higher rates of diabetes from before. We do know that because they eat a lot. But when you look at the people, compare the people who eat kimchi and who don't, the people who eat kimchi have less of a problem. Okay. They have less likelihood, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that Korean doesn't ha Korea does not have, South Korea does not have um, diseases. They all do. We all do. But their level is less. And obesity rate. I was floored by the obesity rate. We've got over 34, 35% of obesity. Obesity is different than overweight, by the way, John. Overweight in America is over 50%. Obesity rate is a specific BMI where it is over 31. So um, when you're obese, it, that, that percentage, we have about 35, if not more now. Uh, I think in 2000. 17 it was like 34 anyway it's gone up in just okay. a few years right. um, in korea it's 5.8 5.8 in the obesity rate that is a huge difference this is south america south korea right out of 194 countries south korea is at 166 meaning it's the the the, the 166 when it comes to obesity Yes, yes, I understand. U.S. is number one. We've got U.S., China, um, Mexico, Brazil. Oh, gosh, uh, those are the main big India. Those are the five main countries. Five main countries. U.S., China, Brazil, Mexico, and India. Interesting, isn't it? Oh. Most obese people. Interesting. I haven't sort of noticed much obesity here in China. Maybe it's in the other cities. It could be in the other cities, absolutely. But that's what that's what the um, studies and and I'm not sure if we're in China that they actually record because it could be that too. Remember, there's a lot more people in China. <laughs> there's a lot of people here. You no, know, and that <laughs> might be why the rate is the way it is. The um, number of people. Right, the number of people, it could be. and there's a lot of people in India too. Right, right. You've written a book. Have you yeah. got the book with you? Oh, the kimchi diet. No, I don't. Shall I um, go grab it? <laughs> I don't know. Sure, sure see, you grab it. I'll, I'll. If it's going to take a while, I'll, I'll start my. Uh, oh, video. I'm just going to go grab it, and I'll okay. come right, bring it right here. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay, so Suzanne will be back showing us uh, the book that she's written, talking about the health benefits of that thing you see in the background, which is the kimchi, live living kimchi. It's just a, a massive life, isn't it? And if you've got that inside you, there's no room for the bad stuff. It's all good, guys. It, it, um, kimchi apparently just shoulder, shoulders away unhealthy microbes. Yep, I can. Uh, Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Here it is. Oh, that looks nice. Yes. 
This is radish kimchi. It's one of my favorites. And these are the ingredients that we need to make kimchi. And it's very, it's all color based. There's the water kimchi. These are all images and pictures of um, my trip to Korea. So after I came back and I started deciding, you know, I, I put everything into my patients yes. for like seven years. Um, I put it all, what I found down and discovered about kimchi in my book and last year um i went on a research trip and i took a lot of pictures this is a picture i i took myself different places yeah and then i teach you how to make it look at that <laughs> it's recipes on how to make kimchi because if you make kimchi i'd say that kimchi it, you can make a really big batch of kimchi that will last you maybe two to three weeks. Wow. Probably under $7, $6, depending on where you live. Yes. And if you want to do organic. Now, I'm a big believer in being as organic as you can. Right. So uh, cabbage, you know, is heavy. Um, so are radishes. And if it's yeah. hard to find organic vegetables. But if you do get it, boy, that's the best way. But even if I didn't get organic, I know that the good bacteria, the kimchi and the fermentation process, it actually reduces the pesticides level in the food, in the vegetables. So I don't feel so bad about making it with the, in a regular kind. Isn't that amazing? Because you can't, yeah. in many places, you just can't find organic. You can't find produce that hasn't been sprayed by Roundup and other pesticides. And kimchi actually yeah that's the, the you know in the roundup is is a biggie it mm. really is i haven't seen i've looked everywhere for glyphosate with kimchi you know any research mm. and there isn't anything right now but the truth of matters the reason is because most of the kimchi studies are done in korea i was very very fortunate to go to the facility that's a big big facility and it's called the uh, World Institute of Kimchi. There's the only one around in the world, and it's in uh, Gyeongju, which is really south of Korea. I took a bullet train, John. I took a bullet train going 200 miles an hour down to, from Seoul, such a great trip. And I got to speak to a lot of the scientists there. Uh, this, this facility that's, that is government run, all doctors, all scientists, and they are all science of kimchi, which is kimchiology. That's all they study. But they have not come out and they haven't studied glyphosate. And I think it's because they don't use glyphosate. They don't use Roundup in Korea. Interesting. Yeah. I, I've, I remember um, uh, GMO is also, GM, they don't accept GMO corn into Korea. Um, I read, I, I forgot which, God, it's been like two or three years, maybe even longer. I read, read somewhere that, you know, they didn't accept it. It was coming into, they found out it was GMO corn and they wouldn't accept it into the country and they sent it back. Good. And that's really good. They're very, very, Koreans are very, very particular about what they put into their body. They were very health oriented. They like yeah. it all natural. <clears throat> their medical schools also have acupuncture and, you know, traditional mm -hmm. Korean or Chinese medicine wow. together. So there's a great, they really respect um, the natural aspects of healing. Right, let's hope it never gets lost. <laughs>
That's right. Exactly. Right. I mean, you know, we got to continue. That's, I, I think a lot of us wants to continue with the, the, um, the medicinal um, types of the medicinal aspects that we can continue to, to give to the next generation. Sure. You know, everyone's into a lot of this biohacking and all that stuff. And I'm someone that I think that we can go back into the traditional ways. Often yeah. that is just as good, you know? Sure. sure. Okay. Where can people find your book? You can get it. You can go to any uh, Amazon. Amazon's pretty much it all around the world. You can get it. And if you want the actual book and you're from a different country, all you have to do is email my assistant, uh, Frank at help at drsuzanne.com and we will send one out to you um, through Amazon. Amazon actually lets me send it all over the world. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it is amazing. You can get it. And it was amazing to have you on our show as well. Suzanne, thank, thank you. For, spending, for giving us your time today. To Absolutely. There's a link if you want um, so that we can I can give you your um, your audience, the, there's a, a, a guideline. It's like a guideline and a PDF on the magic of kimchi. A lot of information there, and, and even a, a recipe, so that anyone, everyone can start making it if they want to try it. That's fantastic. Well, if you can afford the link to Joy, Joy can put that underneath the video. And that sounds great. We'll do that. The, uh, where we, we publish videos on spooky2videos.com as well. So put it oh, that sounds amazing. I think it's so I look much forward to it. John, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. And what a delight it's been today. And continue with that, Kiefer, and maybe you'll, you'll dive into a little bit of kimchi magic. I'd like to, but it's all gone. <laughs> that is great. That is awesome. I'm going to have to look in on that. Yeah, that's, that's, on how to make it. Sounds oh, amazing. It's, well, it's, it's probably similar to kimchi in so much as if you put time into it and you pour love into it, then you get a beautiful product back. And this is what I do. I check on this every day. Every day I'm just checking them, try a little bit, make sure it's, everything's all good. And, and, the, and it knows it too. <laughs> you know? It does know. John, does it, does it ever turn where you actually have alcohol in it? Does it ever become more alcoholic? I think it, I think it al does have a little bit of Not alcohol. alcoholic, but you know, alcohol. Well, I think even if you, the moment it starts bubbling or moving, it's producing oh. CO2, and I think it's also producing alcohol, but it's very, very low levels of alcohol. Oh, wow. In the early days, I was interested to see how high I could go. And so <laughs> the, trick is just, the trick is just to leave, give it a bit more sugar to eat and leave it for a little bit longer. And it does. I, I invented a, a, um, a drink, you know, Pinot Noir, but I added grapes as the secondary fermentation, and I called it Pinot Noir, <laughs> because it's not Pinot Noir. <laughs> Pinot Noir. it Noir. tastes a little bit like it. Does it taste? It, it must did. have. It did. It, had, it did. But, it, I mean, Pinot Noir is more gentle. This was quite, quite. Wow. Hard to explain, but it was very, very enjoyable. It was a very, um, was a very happy experiment, one might say. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic what a pleasure well thank you so much for coming on to our show it's been thank fantastic you with us okay you take care and everybody watching have a fantastically have a fantastic week we're at the end of the week now almost keep on passing the love forwards to your friends family those that you love bye-bye everybody
Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone.